Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In Genesis 18, the Bible tells a story of the visitation of Abraham by this group of people, a couple of angels on their way to Sodom. The Bible tells us that when these particular angels came and they were visiting with Abraham, Abraham decided to entertain them. The Bible says he killed a little calf, you know, dressed it up and fed these guys. These guys, after they enjoyed the hospitality of Abraham and they were about to leave, they asked for Sarah. They said, where is your wife, Sarah? And we'll pick up the story from Genesis chapter 18, reading from verse number 9. The Bible says, then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tents. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, Sarah was listening in the tents, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure with my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now, in this verse of scripture, there are a number of things that I want you to look at. The first thing I want you to notice is the unusual promise from the Almighty God. The Bible says, and he said, I will certainly return unto you at the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Very, very unusual. For people who were just passing by, and Abraham draw them and said, come and eat. And he fed them and entertained them. And when they were about to leave, they spoke a word of prophecy into the life of that family. They said, you are going to have a son. Very, very unusual promise. The next thing I want you to see in that verse of the scripture is the unbelievable nature of that promise. You're talking to a woman who is almost 90. You're talking to a man who is almost 100. And they are practically walking like this. And you're saying you're going to have a son. And the woman looked and said, come on, man. I don't know how you guys do it in heaven, but here on earth, when you reach 70, when you reach 80, you don't think about having children anymore. But the Bible tells us, and Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed. Having a children at this age? So you see, the first thing is the unusual nature of that promise. The unbelievable nature of the promise. And number three is the reassuring nature of the promise giver. These people were so convinced that this promise was going to come to pass. That they said, is anything too hard for the Lord? In other words, I'm speaking this word into your life. Do it appears impossible. Do it appears unusual. Do it appears as if something that you are not going to normally find among people who are advanced in age. But is anything too hard for the Almighty God? Those are the things that you see in that verse of the scripture. I want you to take that verse of the scripture and keep it aside. 
And now you begin to notice, the Bible makes us to understand that Sarah laughed when he heard that particular promise. The question that comes to mind that everybody was asking, why do you think that Sarah was laughing? The Bible told us why he was laughing. But if you fast forward from that verse of the scripture and you move forward to the New Testament, you look at the book of Luke and the Bible tells us of another visitation. This time around Luke chapter 1. And we are talking about the man called Zacharias. The Bible says that this man was a priest. And he was serving in the house of the Almighty God. It was his time for him to perform the priestly duty in the temple. The Bible says that as he was performing that priestly duty, a visitation came. The angel of the Almighty God showed up. Let's pick up the story from verse number 12. The Bible says, When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and ye shall call his name John. And Zechariah said unto the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in age. The same problem. I'm old, and you are telling me I'm going to have a son. And my wife is going to have a son. If I had married a young girl, probably, yeah, maybe it's possible. My wife is also as old as I am. How is this going to happen? Verse number 19, and the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of the Almighty God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you this glad tidings. The same thing, the same pattern you will see again. The first thing you see again in this verse of the scripture is the unusual promise that was made unto Zacharias. Do not be afraid. For your prayers is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. The next thing you see is also the unusual, unbelievable promise. Your wife that is advanced in age, that is past the age of childbearing, will also bear a son. And then you see divine assurance that was given to Zacharias. And that divine assurance is that I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Almighty God, and I've been sent to tell you this. In other words, don't bother to question it. But the Bible tells us that instead of Zacharias laughing, because it was not a laughing matter for Zacharias, instead of him laughing, the Bible says that Zacharias now questioned the angel. And the question that will be going on at the back of my mind is, why did Zacharias end up questioning the angel? Let's put a hold on that. And just move a little bit further in that same chapter. Luke chapter 1. Look a little bit further. And you will see another visitation. This time around in verse number 26 of that same Luke chapter 1. The Bible tells us that this same angel now decided to go and visit a young girl. And when the angel visited a particular young girl, delivered an unusual promise also. Let's pick up the story again from verse number 30. Luke chapter 1 verse number 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Then Mary said unto the angel, How can this be, since I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One which will be born will be called the Son of God. Again, notice the pattern. Notice the pattern. First of all, you see the unusual promise from the Almighty God. You will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. You are talking about a girl who is still a virgin. Look at the incredulous nature of that particular promise. Which other was a promise that cannot be believed. I mean, you are talking about a virgin who has never been involved in any kind of sexual activity. He's saying that you are going to see a virgin have a child. Mary is saying, how can this kind of thing be? And then look at the assurance of the fulfillment of that promise. The Bible tells us in verse number 35, the Holy Spirit will perform this particular thing in your life. In the case of Mary, the Bible tells us that she responded with confusion. I mean, you're talking to a little girl, and you're saying you're going to give birth to a son. 
Not 10 years from now. Not 20 years from now. But right now, you are going to conceive. And Mary say, how is that possible? The idea is that it doesn't just happen. Pregnancy don't jump on people here on earth. It takes two to tango. That's what probably Mary must have been saying. But the question that comes to mind is, why was Mary confused? Why was Mary confused? You see, my brothers and sisters, one thing I want you to understand is this. If you were in the shoes of these three people that we just looked at, if you are in the shoes of Sarah, you are in the shoes of Zacharias, and you are in the shoes of Mary, and somebody comes and tells you, you are going to have a son, or you that a young girl, you are going to have a I mean, you will, be, you will respond practically the same way. You probably think that the guy probably needs to go and take his medication because something is wrong with you. I'm an old woman, how can I have a child? I'm an old man, how can I have a child? I'm a young girl, how can I have a child? These were some of these that were going through your mind. And the response, your response will be mostly similar to the same response that these people have. And the question is, why did these people, why did these three individuals respond the way they did? Why did they find it very difficult to believe what they were hearing? Why was their heart filled with question when the promise was made unto them? Let me suggest certain things to you. These individuals had doubt in the back of their mind. They were confused because number one, the nature of the promise they received was unexpected. They were entertaining the guests. And all of a sudden the guests stood up and said, you are going to have a son. Very, very unusual. You are doing what you are normally doing every day. And all of a sudden, the presence of the Almighty God comes to you and tells you, you are going to, you are me. What is the last thing on your mind? And you see a girl who is probably doing her own thing. Maybe sweeping the house or cleaning the deal or doing whatever the parents have asked her to do. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord Almighty comes to you and says, you are going to have a son. The unexpected nature of the word of God to them made it very difficult for them to understand it and to believe it. Number two, the unbelievable nature of that particular word to them. You are telling me that something that cannot be imagined, something that cannot be conceived, is about to happen to my life. Definitely I'm going to have questions. Not only that, the undeniable nature of the word of God. This particular person that is telling you this thing is so sure that this is going to happen that you begin to say, no, I think you are making a mistake. I am almost a hundred years old. Hundred year old people don't give back to children. If they do, you will need a machine to help you out. But the idea is that because of the confidence of these people, these guys were confused. They had questions at the back of their minds. And then finally, most importantly, these individuals reacted the way they reacted because of the impossible nature of that particular promise. The interesting thing is that the response of this individual is what is still happening in the lives of so many people in our world today. In our culture today, a lot of people are still laughing at the possibility of a savior. When you tell them that Jesus can save us, say, come on, forget it. I've done too much bad thing. God cannot save me. There are people who are laughing like Sarah today. When they hear the word of God, there are people who still question the reality of a virgin birth. Just like the days of Zacharias. There are people who are still confused as to their need for a savior. Just like Mary herself was confused. So what the response of those people in those days is still going on right now. But I want you to understand one very simple fact. Though Sarah laughed at that promise. Though Zachariah questioned, questioned the message of the angel. Though Mary was confused. One thing I want you to understand. Though the word of God came to them unexpectedly. Though the word of God appeared to be unbelievable. Though the word of God appeared to be impossible. When it was given. One thing that was sure was that. That word came to pass in their lives. Even when it didn't make sense. Even when it appeared impossible. Even when it appeared unbelievable. 
the promise of the Almighty God for their life, when it was spoken into their life, came to pass. And why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because whatever the Lord Almighty has spoken into your life, regardless of how ridiculous it looks like, regardless of how impossible it looks like, it will come to pass if the Lord has spoken it. And that's why the Bible tells in the book of John chapter 1, reading from verse number 1, it said, in the beginning was the word. In other words, when God is about to do something in your life, the first thing he will do is to send you a word. When God is about to change something in your life, when he's about to bless you, when he's about to take you from where you are to where you need to be, when he's about to move something in your life, he will send you a word. And that's why the Bible says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. Because God knew what exactly what he wanted to do. And that's why he sent the word. And he said the word himself was God. Because it is God that operates in the word that he speaks in your life. So when God is about to do something in your family, when he was about to do something in your work, he's about to change something in the church, the first thing he will do is to send his word. And the Bible now tells us, if we go to verse 14 of that St. John chapter 1, he said, the word then will become flesh and dwell among us. And we will behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. In other words, when that word of God comes to you, the Lord gives you that promise, and you believe the promise of God, that is when you begin to see the manifestation. But if you don't believe it, even if heaven opens, you will not see anything. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace. In other words, regardless of the skepticism of the world concerning your life, regardless of how people are ridiculing your life, one thing is sure, the promise of God for your life will be fulfilled. When the Lord speaks something into your life, regardless of the skepticism, it will come to pass. Regardless of the ridicule that might be surrounding you, people looking at you and saying, what is wrong with this person? You think you are the most holy person or you are the one who knows how to pray. Regardless of the ridicule in your life, in your family or in the church, the word of God in your life will become flesh if you believe it. Not only that, regardless of the questions and the face of people, they look at you and they are wondering, what's wrong with this one? Regardless of the critical look on the face of people, as long as you believe in the word of God, the word of God will become flesh in your life. And the question that you might be asking is, why am I so sure that the word of God will come to pass? Why am I so sure that what God promises you, God is able to do? Why am I so sure that when God declares a word into your life, it never fails? Why am I so sure? I am so sure because number one, the Bible tells us in the book of Numbers chapter 23, in verse number 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? And he will he not do it? Or has he spoken? Or will not make it good? In other words, if God said it to you, he will do it. If God makes you a promise, he will do it. That is why I am sure that whatever promise the Lord has spoken in your life, up till this point in time, it might appear as if it's late and things might not be happening. But one thing I am sure is that if the Lord gave you that promise, God is not a man that is your lie, he will fulfill it. That's why I'm sure your promise will come to pass. Why am I sure? I am sure because God is faithful. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, reading from verse number 24, it tells us, He said, He who calls you is faithful, also he will do it. In other words, when he says, I am going to do something, he will do it. It doesn't matter how many people are opposed to it. It doesn't matter what the popular opinion looks like. It doesn't matter how many people do agree with him. It doesn't matter how many people are opposed to it. Once the Lord said he will do it, he will do it. 
That's why I'm sure that the promise of the Almighty God will be fulfilled in your life. Not only that, I am sure because God's word will never fail. The Bible tells us in Matthew 24, 35, He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. In other words, if I say it, it will do it. David said, I have been young and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seeds begging bread. In other words, when the Lord says it, God never fails. That is why I am sure that God hears and answers prayer. That is why I am sure that if you hold on to the word of the Almighty God that He has spoken into your life, if you hold on to the promise of the Almighty God for your family, if we as a church hold on to the word of God for our lives, I am very sure that that word will come to pass because God never fails. God never fails. And because the Lord fulfills his word, because the Lord is the one that makes sure his word is fulfilled, that is why I am convinced that when you hold on to his word, he will never disappoint you. But while I have said that, I want you also to understand one thing about this business of the word becoming flesh. Matthew chapter 13. There is something very interesting there I want you to look at. Because though the Lord Almighty will do what he will do, though he will support his word with his power, with his faithfulness, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 13. Reading from verse number 53, the Bible tells us, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. And when he came to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and this mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? His brothers called James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then? Did this man get all these things? Now verse number 57. So they were offended by him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now look at one of the saddest commentary in scripture. Verse number 58. He said, Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They were looking at Jesus' life. They were interacting with Jesus' life. There were people who had no connection to the Almighty God. There were people who did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. One word from the Lord Jesus Christ healed their children. One word from the Almighty God provided for them. He fed thousands of people who had no connection with him. But he went to his own country. He went to his own people. He was speaking to the people from his own village. And the Bible said that he could not do anything in that place. Why? Because they simply could not believe him. Which means it's not the fault of the Almighty God when things don't happen in our lives. It's not that God cannot answer prayer. It's not that God cannot do miracles in our lives. It's not that God cannot turn your situation around. It's not that God cannot visit you at the point of your need. It's not that God cannot do those things that you have been trusting Him for. The question is, do you believe Him? And He did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. From this verse of the scripture, I want you to understand the facts. That God, that though God is not a man that is July, the fact that God is, is faithful to his word, the fact that God never fails, the word of God will not become flesh in your life if you refuse to receive that particular word. He will not force it on you. If the Lord gives you a promise and you refuse to receive that promise, it will not work for you. It is not a curse, it is just a statement of fact. The Bible tells us that Jesus could not do many mighty works. Not because Jesus was not willing to. Not because Jesus was not able to. Not because Jesus had no capacity to do it. Not because Jesus hated these people. Not because Jesus just said, I don't like you people, so you people are not going to get any miracle. No! 
Jesus could not do mighty works in that place simply because the people refused to believe. So if you refuse to receive the word, the word will not become flesh for you. Number two, if you are offended by the word, the word will not become flesh for you. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, after ministering to these people, the Bible says that they were offended. And because they were offended, they could not receive the miracle that God was willing to give unto them. So number one, if you don't receive the word, it will not become flesh for you. If you are offended by the word, it will not become flesh for you. If you dishonor the word, it will not become flesh for you. Jesus Christ said that a prophet is not honored in his own house. In a place where you are insulted every day. In a place where you are treated like trash every day. Do you go about in that kind of a place, pull out your wallet and start giving people money? No! If you dishonor the word of the Almighty God, that word will not become flesh in your life. Someone once said that the things that you respect will come to you. The things that you disrespect will walk away from you. And that's why you find out that when you are relating well with people, they relate well with you. If you are always hostile, people refuse to talk to you. Not because they don't want to talk to you, but you are not giving them the opportunity to come in. The word of God that you dishonor, that word of God will not do anything for you. The promise of God that you dishonor will not work for you. The good things that God has to do for you, if you do not receive it, if you do not respect it, if you are offended by those things, they will not work for you. There was a time when there was this video that was going on and people were talking about giving and tithing and those kind of things. They were talking all those rubbish about those things online. The thing I keep telling them is that you don't have to give. You don't have to. Because if you don't do it, you don't get the blessing. The word of God that you honor, that is the word of God that works for you. The word of God that you do not honor does not work for you. And then finally, Bible makes us to understand that the word of God that you disrespect, the word of God that you do not believe, that particular word will not work for you also. Bible tells us in verse number 58, reading from verse number 13, that as powerful as Jesus Christ was, he could not do many mighty works in his own city because the people refused to believe in him. The question then is, how do you position yourself to receive the promise of the Almighty God? How do you position yourself so that the word of God that he has spoken into your life can become a reality? How do you position yourself so that the things that God has spoken in your life can begin to see the light of day before this year comes to an end? Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 1. Reading from verse number 26. The Bible tells us there. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying. And consider the manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One which is only born will be called the Son of God. Verse number 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the man, the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The question that we're asking is, how do you position yourself so that you can begin to see the manifestation of the promise of the Almighty God? The first thing that you see is number one, be open to the visitation of the Almighty God. 
You have to be open to the visitation of the Almighty God. What does that mean? It means that you don't have any preconceived notion about how God deals with you. You don't have a preconceived notion as to how the Lord Almighty will bless you. You don't have a preconceived notion as to how God will answer your prayer. There are some people who believe that this is the only way that God can do certain things in my life. This is the only way that God speaks to me. This is the only way that God moves. This is the only way that God does what he does. Unless you are open to the visitation of the Almighty God, the fulfillment of the promise of God might be elusive in your life. Number two, there has to be what is called a genuine curiosity. Habakkuk was genuinely interested in knowing why evil prospered. And he went to the presence of the Almighty God and asked the question and said, Lord, why does this thing happen? If you want to see God move in your life, there has to be that genuine curiosity. You cannot just sit down and allow life to just happen. You have to ask meaningful questions. Lord, why is my life like this? Lord, why am I not seeing the result? Lord, why are these things that you have promised in your word? Why is it not coming to pass? And that is the same question that Jeremiah asked. He said, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why are the people not healed? Because he was genuinely concerned. There was a genuine curiosity about the state of the people of God. And the same thing, you must have a genuine curiosity in your own life. You need to ask yourself, why is my life the way it is? Does it mean God does not hear and answer prayer? Does it mean the promise of the scripture are not true? Does it mean that God is no longer in the business of hearing his people? You need to be genuinely curious if you want to see God move on your behalf. Number three, you have to allow God to be God in your life. Mary said, how can this be since I do not know a man? Mary understood the process of giving birth. She understood what needs to happen for a child to come. But now the angel is telling her something completely different. And now Mary is saying, well, if this is God, if this is how God wants to do it, then go ahead and do it. I will allow God to be God. There are people who are waiting for the miracle of God, but they are dictating it has to be X, Y, and Z. Sisters waiting for husband and they are saying it has to be tall, light, and handsome. Brothers who are waiting for a wife, they have to say she has to be looked at slim and she has to know how to be to do the catwalk. You have your own specification and God is saying, allow me to be God in your life. Because you cannot dictate to him. He's the one giving you a gift. I want to give you a gift that you are telling me this is the kind of gift I want. That is no longer a gift. That's now a demand. And we must understand that for the world to become flesh, number one, you must understand that you must be open to visitation. Number two, you must be genuinely curious about your life. Number three, you must allow God to be God. Number four, there has to be what is called a simple faith. God said, I will do it. Just believe it. What are you going to lose if you don't believe it? Your situation is already messed up. God is saying, I'm going to fix it. All you have to say is to believe it. If you believe it and it doesn't change anything, it doesn't make any difference. You're already messed up in the first place. Now, if you believe it and something changes, that means it's good for you. So why don't you just believe? What does it cost you? Nothing. And that's why I tell people, believe in God and you are making shakara. You say you don't want to believe God. If you die and there is no God, what have you lost? Nothing. But if you die and there is a God, then you don't believe in you are in serious trouble. Simply believe in him and you see him walk on your behalf. Not only that, there has to be a willing acceptance. God will not force whatever he wants to do in your life down your throat. He will never force you. He said, I give unto you life and death. The Lord is saying that if you want to see the word become flesh, there has to be a willing acceptance. Mary said something that was unique. Mary said, behold your maiden servant. You know what? Look at me. You have found me. Say, then do whatever you want to do with me. It means that I'm totally surrendered. It means that I'm not going to argue with you. It means that I'm not going to challenge your authority. It means that I'm not going to struggle with you. It means that I'm going to completely release myself to you. Do whatever you want to do. 
with me. That is the way you get something from the Almighty God. You surrender at the altar of the Almighty God. You stop fighting with the Almighty God. The willing acceptance turns situations around. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.